Hello there. Good evening and welcome to that Haunt Guy podcast. Your home of hauntings, true crime, maybe the odd cult and, well, anything else on that spooky side of life. My name is Mark and I'll be your disembodied voice of a host this evening. The year is 1834 and in the affluent French quarter of New Orleans at an upstanding mansion located on 1140 Royal Street, a roaring fire has broken out. Neighbours have rushed out to help fight the flames and evacuate the family. And when the fire finally dwindles, police and fire marshals enter the building. When they do, they come across a disturbing situation. They have in fact come across a haggard looking 70 year old woman chained to the stove by her ankle. She screamed at the officers that it was her that started the blaze and that she had started it as a suicide attempt out of fear of what would have happened to her had she been taken to the attic by the lady of the house. You see, this old woman was in fact one of many slaves kept within the walls of the old mansion. And this was the home of Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Oh, I got shivers there. Now, let me preface this episode with stating the fact that slavery is a disgusting act and I condemn it with all of my being. But we are discussing real life events here and in the 1800s having slaves was a common occurrence within those considered to be of high society at the time. And with that being said, please, I invite you, sit back, relax, and spiral in with me as we explore the La Lorie House of Torture in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Madame La Lorie, portrayed by the wonderful Kathy Bates in American Horror Story Coven, was born Marie Delphine McCarty in March 1787 in New Orleans. She was born to a white Creole family with extremely deep pockets. In other words, they were extremely rich. Her family had moved from Ireland to Louisiana a generation before her own, and at the time Louisiana was under control of the Spanish. And when Delphine was born, this made her the second generation of her immediate family to actually have been born in America. Both of Delphine's parents were prominent figures in the community of the time, with her uncle even being the governor of the Spanish-American provinces of Louisiana and Florida, and her cousin was even the mayor of New Orleans for some time. When Delphine was four years of age, the Haitian Revolution erupted in 1791. Now, this was a successful insurrection by self-liberated slaves against the French colonial rule in what is now the sovereign state of Haiti. The shockwaves of this revolution was felt all across the southern United States, and it made the slave owners of the time very afraid that there may be a rebellion against them by their own slaves. This led to most slave owners then disciplining their slaves even more harshly and unfairly out of fear of an insurrection. This would also be something that would stay with Delphine Lalaurie and would be the catalyst of things to come. Some years later, on June 11th of the year 1800, Delphine, aged just 13 at the time, married a man named, and please bear with me here listeners, 
Don Ramon de Lopez e Angelo. Jeez, Don, just give us your full life story while you're at it, why don't you? Now, he was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer, and in 1804, Angelo was appointed the Council General for Spain in the territory of Orleans, and he ended up being recalled to Spain to take his place in the Spanish courts that was said to be a more befitting office of his new position. The family, however, would never arrive from this trip, as Angelo suddenly died en route while in Havana. Now, at this time Delphine was pregnant with his child, and she gave birth to a daughter named Marie Boya Delphine e Angelo. Following this, the mother and child both returned to New Orleans. And I apologise because there's going to be many Spanish and French names in this that I am going to butcher. In June 1808, Delphine went on to marry her second husband, Jean Blanc, who was a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer and legislator. You could almost say he was a Jean of all trades, eh? Eh? After the marriage, Blanc purchased a house at 409 Royal Street in New Orleans, which became known as the Villa Blanc. They went on to have four children together, three girls and one boy, named Marie-Louise Pauline, Louise-Marie-Laurie, Marine-Joanne and Jean-Pierre-Pauline Blanc. And that's the best I can do. And it was however said that Delphine attended to all five of her children lovingly. In 1816, Blanc passed away, survived by all of his children and, of course, Delphine herself. After his death, Delphine went on to marry one final time. On June 25, 1825, Delphine married a young physician named Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalaurie, which, of course, gave his newlywed wife her now infamous title of Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Leonard being a physician wasn't around much during the day, and often left Delphine to her own devices. In 1831, Delphine went on to purchase land at 1140 Royal Street, and by 1832 she had built a three-storey mansion at this address, complete with an attached slave quarters. This mansion, of course, now being the infamous home of Madame Lalaurie. She lived there with her husband and two daughters, and for some of the time remained in high regard in New Orleans society. As we previously discussed, listeners, like many high society women of the time, Madame Lalaurie, of course, kept slaves. What is interesting, however, is that most of the city people were in fact shocked about how polite Delphine was with them. She was said to show them extreme kindness in public, and even set two slaves free at certain points in history. In 1832, the Lalaurie marriage began to show signs of strain, however, and on November 16th of the same year, Delphine petitioned the courts for separation of bed and board from her husband, claiming that he treated her in such a manner that it rendered their living together unsupportable, claims of which her two children confirmed. What is also interesting is that at the time Delphine was dragging her husband's name down, 
Rumours began to spread that Delphine's politeness to her slaves in public may have all been an act. You see, funeral registers of the time show the deaths of 12 slaves at the royal mansion between the years of 1831 and 1833 respectively. There was no official cause of death reported, and of course disease is a possibility. But personally I would say it was much, much more sinister than that. Rumours carried that Madame Lalaurie kept her 70-year-old cook chained to the stove, starving after food that she could smell but never eat. There were also other rumours that she was keeping slaves for her husband to practice Haitian voodoo medicine on, and more yet that her hate extended past just the slaves, and that Delphine would cruelly punish her two daughters if they tried to help the slaves in any way. There have been several accounts written by another woman in high regard in New Orleans society. She was called Harriet Martineau, and she had in the past visited the Lalaurie mansion. In her writings, she reported that although Delphine was polite to her slaves in public, she observed the slaves within the mansion, who did not accompany Delphine when she went out in public, to be singularly haggard and wretched. It is even said that the rumours of how Delphine treated her slaves got so bad, the courts of the time dispatched a lawyer to her home to remind her of the laws pertinent to the upkeep of slaves. And this is because New Orleans was one of the only southern states of the time to have basic laws to protect slaves from cruel and unusual punishments. However, during this visit, the lawyer found no evidence of mistreatment. Could it be, however, listeners, Madame Lalaurie knew of his visit and had a place where she could, well, hide those slaves unlucky enough to face her wrath? A further report from Harriet was about a man of the time who chose to throw himself out of the third story window, apparently choosing to die rather than be subject to Madame Laurie's torture. The window he jumped out of was subsequently cemented shut, and is still visible to this day on the mansion in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Harriet went on to recount in her writings that shortly after the lawyer's visit to the Lalaurie mansion, a neighbour reported witnessing one of Delphine's slaves, a 12-year-old girl named Leah, falling to her death from the roof of the mansion. Apparently, it was said, to avoid being punished by a whip-wielding Madame Lalaurie. She went on to say that it was apparently because Leah was brushing Delphine's hair when she caught a snag. Delphine was said to erupt in anger at Leah before grabbing the whip and chasing her to the rooftop. Leah's body was then recovered by Delphine and was buried within the mansion grounds. At this, the police showed up one evening shortly after and fined Delphine $300, which was quite a lot of money of the time, and forced her to sell nine of her slaves, which unfortunately, Delphine purchased back over time. On April 10th, 1834, a fire broke out at the Lalaurie Mansion, which we already know, dear listeners, was started in the kitchen by the slave Delphine kept chained to the stove as a suicide attempt. 
Once the family was outside, and the discovery of the cook being chained up was found out by the neighbours and onlookers, they then demanded that Delphine give them the keys for the slave quarters. And to this, Delphine point-blankly refused. This then led to bystanders subsequently breaking down the doors of the slave quarters and making their way to the attic. And what they found there was infinitely worse than any rumour or anything they could have imagined. When the door was opened, the small crowd stopped dead in their tracks, and it is said that some of them even vomited from the stench of the place alone. When their eyes adjusted to the darkness of the boarded up windows, they discovered what they had come across was a torture chamber. They saw heaps of corpses strewn across the floor, limbs piled into barrels or being hung from the ceiling, and what was worse is there were still some slaves that were alive. Live bodies clearly starving were kept tied up or in small cages throughout the room. These cages so small indeed that bones would have had to have been broken to fit them in. When the crowd began to take a closer look, they could see that slaves had had their eyes gouged out, their fingernails ripped off, and even some with their ears hanging loosely by a shred of skin. Other slaves of Madame Lalaurie were found hung up on the walls by a metal collar that had spikes protruding into their necks. There are reports of one slave who had had her eyes and mouth sewn shut with thick thread, and reports of another who had had her skin flayed and peeled off in spirals to make her look like a caterpillar and yet another who had had her bones broken and then reset in such a way that it made her look like some deformed human crab. And further, yet other slaves whose intestines had been pulled out and knotted around their waist, and this was all while they were still alive. Now, although slaves were still seen as a commodity in this place and time, the sheer brutality of what Madame Lalaurie had subject these poor individuals to was more than enough to enrage the gathered crowd. They made their way back down the stairs of the mansion, wanting to give mob justice to Delphine for what she had subject these people to. When they got back outside, however, she was nowhere to be seen. And in fact, her and her family had fled not just the scene, but New Orleans entirely. In response to this, the crowd entered the mansion once again, and once they had safely got the former slaves of Lalaurie out and ensured medical attention for them, also something hard to find of the time, they went about destroying the home from the attic down. And in doing this, they discovered further graves of former slaves that had been murdered by Madame Lalaurie. And of course, Although the act of owning slaves is despicable enough, let us consider what it would take for someone to treat them in such a horrific way. First of all, some historians believe that the tales of the slave treatment has been greatly exaggerated over the years, with some even saying that it was simply a fiendish legend. For this, they bring us to the fact that Delphine even freed two of her slaves. but. 
with that being said, this was not of her own kind heart. The first freeing happened as it was left in the will of her as a widow to do so, and the second slave, an older gentleman, was said to have been freed due to social conventions which dictated that older slaves with good records should be freed. And if these are to be believed and put to legend, then how can we explain what her neighbour Harriet saw and wrote of, and indeed the slave who set the house ablaze as she had been threatened with being taken to the attic? Others say that these acts did indeed happen, and that Delphine was actually driven to the depravity of insanity by her third husband. As we know, dear listeners, she had already tried to get a separation order from the court. Well, some accounts attest to the fact that he was abusive towards Delphine, and over time this wore on her mental state and that she ended up taking her anger and fear out upon her slaves. And some even go further still to blame Luis and say that he was actually the one torturing and mutilating the slaves. He did, after all, turn away help when the fire first began, and of course, as we know, there were rumours of him practising Haitian voodoo potions upon the house cook while she was chained to the cooker. It is believed by some that Louise had got Delphine in such a low mental state that she believed it was her who had done these horrific acts. There is also another theory that could have led to the house of Lallorie, as some believe that Delphine was actually influenced and conditioned from before she was even born. This is because in 1771, her uncle was actually murdered by his own slaves, and when this is considered with further events such as the Haitian slave uprising, Delphine would have been raised in a household which believed violence and oppression was the only appropriate way to treat slaves. For example, listeners, a small revolt within New Orleans actually led to over 100 slaves being beheaded, with their heads subsequently being put on spikes and displayed in a line stretching for 40 miles, and their corpses were hung from the city gates. With all of these actions going on around her from a young age, it is somewhat understandable that this could have left Delphine with a mindset that slave punishment and bloodshed was completely acceptable, especially when this was coupled with the low mental state of her living with an abusive husband. Now, whether or not all of the rumours are true of what was found on that ill-fated day in the Lallory mansion, it has been confirmed that, at the very least, slaves were found in the attic, malnourished with bloody welts covering their bodies, and they were held to the wall with iron spike collars, which in itself is horrific enough, and sounds very akin like Delphine had been inspired by the tale of medieval torture chambers. According to one Daniel Rasmussen, Author of a book named American Uprising, the untold story of America's largest slave revolt, some of Delphine's actions in the attic were a very common practice and way to punish slaves of the time. He said that many slaves across New Orleans and further the southern American states were subject to brutality regularly so they would not revolt against their so-called masters. He went on to say that, for example, their hands would be tied to two wooden posts, 
so they were outstretched and that they would then be whipped with a cat o' nine tails that left them bleeding and unable to move. He said that iron masks were put over the slaves' heads so they were unable to eat, and that there was even metal collars with inward-facing spikes so slaves could not sleep without these penetrating into their necks. Now, after Madame Lalaurie escaped the crowd who were hell-bent on lynching her, what indeed became of her? Well, it is believed that she made her way to the docks with her slave driver and family, and they managed to buy passage where they fled to Paris, France. Some then believe that this is where she lived the rest of her days, and they say she passed away there in the late 1840s. Others, however, believe that she faked her death, and that she one day secretly returned to Louisiana to continue carrying out her cruel acts. And there are even some more that claim she never left, and she found protection elsewhere in the southern states. Whatever happened to Delphine after this day is truly a mystery, listeners, and to this day no one truly knows where her body now lies. There is one count, however, again from our dear friend Harriet, who claimed that she once spoke to one of Delphine's children who returned to New Orleans after the events. It is said that when he spoke with her, he informed her he had received but one letter from his mother as he was residing elsewhere in the United States while she was in Paris. He said that in this letter, Delphine claimed that she didn't know what she was doing was wrong and that she did not understand why she had been driven from New Orleans. Listeners, this claim is truly terrifying as not only does it confirm that Delphine had been torturing her slaves, but also that she didn't understand what was wrong with her heinous acts. So, Although there is no reason someone could give to justify these horrific acts. Was Madame Lalaurie a mentally ill woman who was a product of her environment? Or was she simply someone that got twisted enjoyment from the mistreatment and torture of others? This is something, listeners, we will never know. And with that... This is where we will leave this week's tale of the bloody Lalaurie mansion. I of course have been Mark, or That Haunt Guy. You can feel free to follow me here on this podcast for any future episodes, and over on Instagram, at That Haunt Guy, all one word. But apart from that, please, have a wonderful evening filled with supernatural curiosity. Watch out for that entity behind you. And as always... Stay spooky.